are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. On listeners, today it's all about recycling and the five top things you should know about recycling. You probably don't. Stay tuned. We're going to take a deep dive into everything you need to know about Mother Earth and recycling. Hi, Spot On listeners, I'm back. I told you it's all about recycling. And let me tell you, I brought in someone who just spent way too much time. Re- this and writing an article on this that I was so overwhelmed that I had her back here. Uh, it's Dr. Caitlin Dow, and she's a senior nutrition scientist at the Center for Science and the Public Interest. And she's, you know, a background in nutrition, but she's all about not only nutrition, but expanding to how nutrition and food and, and the world around us and the planet around us. And she wrote this article in, in uh, Nutrition Action that I'm going to put this up on the Spot On Facebook page about recycling. And let me tell you, it was a real, real eye-opener. You know this, Caitlin, as well as many of us, a new trend in food choices is sustainability. You know, many customers are choosing foods that were grown in a more sustainable way. But if you want to take it one step further, consumers are also interested in how sustainable the packaging of the foods that they buy. And, you know, how does that play with mother nature and the environment? And this is, this is really what this whole episode is about. What about the packaging? And when we recycle the package, are we really helping to repurpose that container and packaging so it doesn't end up polluting the environment? So with that, Dr. Caitlin, I want to thank you for coming on Spot On again to talk about this. This article you wrote was just absolutely fabulous and and things that I didn't know about recycling and I recycle and I thought I was going to get an academy award and then after reading this article I was like you know something you're not even going to be nominated (laughs) I learned so much while writing this article similarly I really thought that I um that I was doing all the right things and then I just learned that this is um, much more complicated uh, in the way that it's sold to us, but that it's actually more simple than sort of the way the industry has sold recycling to us. So there's, yeah, there's some misnomers there. Yes. And that's what we're going to get down and, and dig out and kind of figure out. But, you know, the good thing is, uh, Dr. Caitlin, is that there's more motivation, like this whole sustainable, there's more motivation to recycle, right? You said that in the article. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think people are just paying closer attention to their purchasing choices um, and how those choices affect the environment more than they really ever have in the past. And so, you know, we've gotten this message that the Earth's resources are not limited. And many of us are trying to do what we can um, to limit our collective need for making products from scratch. And that's where recycling comes in. Uh, 
but there are limits to recycling that I think most people don't realize. Right. All right. You said in the article, and I'm so guilty of this, you said you know, there's something called wish cycling. Tell me what wish cycling is. Yeah, I think we've all been guilty of wish cycling. So this is where we throw something into our curbside recycling bin with the very best in intentions that something will get repurposed into a new product instead of ending up in a landfill. We're all trying to avoid the landfill. Um, maybe it's plastic grocery bags or shredded paper, shredded documents. So the problem is that non-recyclables like what I just mentioned can contaminate other recyclables and that means that whole bin can't be recycled, ends up in the landfill. I think the more tangible thing is that it damages the machinery. You know, we don't think about the recycling center when we send off our recyclables. But I spoke with this expert, Lynn Hoffman, who runs Eureka Recycling Center in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And she was telling me that people will throw plastic grocery bags, extension cords, hoses um, into their recycling, you know, just hoping that something good happens to them. Well, those items get wrapped around machinery, causing them to jam. And then employees have to climb into that machinery and cut those items away. So it's very dangerous for the employees. And uh, Lynn estimated that it costs her single recycling center about $75,000 a year in damages and lost productivity. So it's not benign. You know, we think best intentions, but it really actually is damaging. So, so when you're at the curbside, so when you say, okay, I'm, I'm a good doobie, I'm going to be recycling, you throw everything, what you think is recycling, you're going to learn in a minute what, what is recyclable and what isn't. And you think a little elf at the other end is going to sort through this, but there's no elf doing this, right? So if it gets all thrown into a recycling bin and goes through machinery to be sorted, say, the, you know, the hose you put in is going to wrap around. I mean, this is when you think about it. So again, that's where you think you're doing good and it actually is causing problems. So the first thing I guess you get to recycle is you got to sort it. And that's what I want to get to because this plastic thing, okay, that can you talk about this recycling identification codes at the, at the bottom of the plastic It's the triangle and it is a number, okay? And you, I want to just a little bit about that numbers because they can go from one to seven because I've seen that in my own household. But first of all, I just got a gripe. Could someone please make this so you could see the number? Is this just me? I mean, I, I know I wear glasses when I'm reading, but seriously, I'm looking it up. I'm holding it. I'm sipping on one foot and I'm holding it. Can I over by the light by the window? I can't read the number. So you know, that's the first gripe. Okay, so let's make believe we can read the number. So let's talk about what these numbers mean. Yeah, so in the industry, these are called resin identification codes, and they're on plastic, like you said. You won't see them on uh, cardboard or anything like that. They're specifically for plastic, and it's what they call the chasing arrows symbol. So that's the recycling symbol that we see, that triangle. Um, and what they do is that they identify the type of plastic that the product is made out of. And so, for example, number one is, uh, this is a mouthful, it's polyethylene terephthalate. That's 
plastic number one. That's typically water and soda bottles and peanut butter jars. Number two. Hey, then I know why they call it number one, because who the heck is going to repeat that all over again? Yeah, that's number one, right? Yeah, that's number one. Um, Number two is uh, high density polyethylene. And this is like milk jugs, laundry detergent bottles, that kind of thing. But there's seven numbers and you should not interpret that symbol. That product is actually going to be recycled, that that product has a fighting chance of being recycled. Those numbers only identify the type of plastic that it is, and that's just for the recycler. So when it gets shipped off to the recycling center, that's so that they know what the type of plastic is. But it doesn't mean that the thing is going to be recycled. That was really the industry taking that symbol and pushing it on consumers with this idea that consumers want to buy a recycled product or a product that can be recycled. So they put, you know, a big prominent, sometimes prominent uh, recycling symbol on that because people have interpreted it like what I'm calling it, a recycling symbol. When it's really a resin identification code, it doesn't actually mean recycling or recyclable. Um, and so it's frustrating. It does not mean that that product can or will be recycled. That's so interesting because so what uh, I read in the article that that there isn't a market for recycling. So the number one and twos in the you know the recycling um, symbol can be recyclable and reused and packaged into something else. But you're saying that past that three, four, five, six, seven, that they can be sorted, but there's no back market for it. So it's just going to end up in the landfill. Now, you know, it's funny, Caitlin, uh, you know, we talk about halo foods, you know, like foods, and we've done a spot on episode about this, that sound real healthy, but they are. Well, now I'm going to halo packaging. I I mean, so you have this (laughs) recyclable seal on it, and it looks like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm going to recycle it. But really, there's no back market. It can't be recycled and into anything that's worthwhile. So it goes into the landfill. So really, there we go again. There goes my Oscar. There goes my nomination. Because I'm throwing it. I'm doing my due diligence to sort, but it's really just going in the landfill. I'm going to start to cry. Yeah, it's unfortunate because it's really that these plastics are just taking a longer trip to get to the landfill. They're going to your recycling center first. It costs the money money for the recyclers to sort all of that out and then send it to a landfill. So you're better off. It's it's painful to say, but you're better off putting most plastics in your trash bin than in your recycling bin. Um and yeah, like you said, there's not these back markets for really three through seven numbers, one and two, and really just the plastic bottles of numbers one and two, um, there are markets for. Um, and it's it's frustrating because uh, to make it easier on consumers, recycling programs will accept plastics one through seven. So when I was writing this article, you know, I live in Washington, D.C., and I looked up what our my local recycler will accept, and they accept one through seven. Um, but when I talked to these plastic recycling experts, they said that nothing is really happening with plastics three through seven. So best case, it ends up in a landfill, but a lot of that's going to escape the landfill and end up polluting our natural environment. So it's, it's pretty painful. So what can one, uh, numbers one and two, what can that be recycled into? 
So those will be recycled into another lower quality plastic bottle probably or some other plastic product but what happens to plastic when it gets recycled is so plastic itself is these long fibers and so each time a plastic gets recycled those fibers get shortened and each time they get shortened they're of lower quality so it's not that a plastic number one bottle can be infinitely recycled. It maybe has one or two cycles of becoming something else before it's not useful anymore. So it becomes more brittle, more rigid, um, and it just can't be used again. So there's really a, a very short lifespan of these plastics. Got it. Okay. But the difference is when you recycle glass and tin cans, talk about that because please tell me, please, please give us some good messaging about glass and tin cans so we can all sleep better tonight. Yeah, so plastic is um, the, the troublesome one in, in recycling. There's one more, which I think we'll get to later, cartons. But with uh, metal and glass, these are really the poster children of recycling. So the good news is that glass and metal uh, jars, cans, those kinds of things are considered infinitely recyclable. So it you toss an aluminum can into your recycling bin, it will become an aluminum can again. So, and it's great, those things, uh, or I should say recycling of metal and glass saves a ton of energy of getting those natural resources, smelting them, turning them into uh, glass and metal. Recycling saves an inordinate amount of energy from that process. So it truly is good for the environment. I mean, that's good to know. Like if you're going to buy something that's sold in a plastic container and something that's sold in a glass container, like maybe orange juice or milk, you might be, well, milk will get to the carton or the plastics. Uh, you may do better if you do it in a glass container. You can actually, the recycling life of that is going to be better for the environment than a plastic milk carton. Is that correct? Yeah, the recycling life will be better. This also gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, if you look at how heavy glass is, because the transportation cost and the, of, so for gasoline, um, glass is, uh, it can be worse for the environment in some ways. So there's not clear answers here, which is, uh, very troubling. It, it doesn't make it easy on consumers. I have a clear answer. You could put a cow in your backyard and when you milk it, you put it in a glass container and then it doesn't travel that far. And there we go. And we saved everything and we used the glass container. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. I love solving the world's problems here. Yeah. <laughs> but you and your article said that not all glass and not all metal should be recycled. In other words, I, I'm thinking like canned corn, you know, uh, you know, glass uh, spaghetti jars or, you know, uh, olives come in jars, but not all glass, not all metal. So what what is not supposed to go in there? Yeah, so you can typically think that if it comes as a food package, it's probably recyclable. You can toss that in your curbside bin. Uh, but so that is metal cans, aluminum cans, pasta sauce jars, glass bottles, those kinds of things, those are good to go into your recycling bin. But you shouldn't throw scrap metal into your curbside recycling bin. So scrap metal is things like knives, nails, 
ammunition, old pots and pans. Those things should not go into your curbside recycling bin. Most communities though have scrap recycler, scrap metal recyclers. So look for that in your local community and take that type of scrap metal to those facilities, just not your curbside bin. For glass, it's a similar situation that uh, not all glass can go into your curbside recycler. So mirrors, windows, and even glass dishes should not go in your curbside recycler. So say you break a wine glass or you know, even a ceramic or something like that. Some people will conflate ceramic with glass. Uh, those shouldn't go in your curbside recycler. They're made out of different types of glass than jars and bottles. And so they can't be mixed together. That's interesting because uh, I am a klutz. And if I can tell you how many stem glass wine glasses that I have broken and I have thrown them in the, the recycled bin with the bottle, you know, the empty bottle. And so that's a boo-boo. So here I go again. Here I go. There goes the Oscar. There goes the nominations. I've, I'm not even- I've I'm been guilty even, of it too. Yeah, I've done yeah, it too. Yeah, okay. You know, what about, um, you know, the cartons? Yeah. So that's, that's because cartons are paper, but not really, because that's what I read. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know that about cartons. Tell us. Okay, so cartons are so complicated. I was truly pulling my hair out to try to figure out how these are recycled and what to tell people to do with cartons when I was writing this article. So um, when we say cartons, we're talking about cartons that hold liquids. So whether shelf stable or refrigerated, but that you're holding liquids in those. So, you know, that could be almond milk, it could be regular milk, it could be... Um, broth, those kinds of things. So that's what we're talking about when we say cartons. Um, all of them are lined with plastic. Sorry, Kenley, but you know something? That's so logical, but we don't think of that. I mean, I you know, we're smart people here, but you're like, oh, you're right. It's made out of paper. It has to be lined with something. Otherwise, the, the, the orange juice would just seep right out. But we forget we forget yeah. that it has to be lined. And, and you brought it to attention. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that it was lined. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it. So tell us, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to just tell you that, you know, for people, they just forgot that. They know it has to be lined, but they just forgot it. So tell us how yeah. that fouls things up. Yeah, it wouldn't be waterproof if <laughs> everything would just seep out. So, um, so yeah, those are, they're all lined with plastic. And then the shelf-stable ones also have, um, a layer of aluminum foil in them, and that's to keep out uh, light and oxygen. So uh, both of those kinds of uh, shelf-stable and refrigerated cartons uh, can go to some carton recycling facilities that get shredded and they get turned into building materials like roof board. So not necessarily what we would think of that cartons would get turned into, but that is one purpose for them. And then at others, some special equipment can separate the paper from the plastic and foil. And uh, the plastic and foil will likely end up as trash. And then that paper might end up as toilet paper or paper towels, but no facility turns cartons into new cartons. Okay, so the, it, it's not a, a perfect cycle like that. 
Uh, so it's not like where a, a glass jar becomes another glass jar. It's more like uh, some of the plastics that become some other form of plastic later. But uh, yeah, it's not carton to carton, unfortunately. So, you know, Caitlin, um, I, I, I live in a town where we do our own bin recycling you know so I, I the one and twos go in one place mm -hmm. and the you know and and the six and sevens go in another place you know another bin and everything and you know what's earth shattering to me is exactly that there's no market for those other numbers of one and two but when I throw out cartons I didn't realize that you have to you know that there's that layering and in fact there's no bin in my recycle center say oh your milk carton and you know and, and, and if I throw it in this bin. There isn't one. So that just goes in with my trash. So I, I, I mean, are there centers where you say, oh, milk cartons go over here? You know, I don't see that. Yeah. So there are some, this is where it gets really tricky. So the fact that your, um, you know, local recycling center isn't accepting it, it's because they know they don't have anywhere to put it. So what's a little bit troubling is that, uh, a lot of recyclers will say that they'll take cartons and it's sort of impossible to know what's happening to those cartons because, you know, they'll also say that they take plastics three through seven. We know that really nothing's happening to three through seven. Some cartons maybe are ending up in these carton recycling facilities and getting turned into roof board or whatever. Um, but there's kind of no way of knowing. I couldn't get clear answers on this. And so if your local recycler says that they take them, go ahead and toss them in your bin, but just know that they may not be as green of an option as they seem. So one of the problems is that there aren't many carton recycling centers. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like maybe five to seven in all of North America. Um, yes, yeah, so many cartons are likely traveling thousands of miles so there's, you know, the the environmental impact of that, or they're ending up in a landfill, but it's impossible to know for sure. I do think that this situation is improving. I think they're making more carton recycling facilities, but we just don't have a ton of information right now. Okay, so we got plastics, we got glass, we've got tin cans. Okay, now I love frozen vegetables. So what happens to the plastic? <laughs> in the bag of frozen vegetables or any other, you know, item that comes in a plastic bag or anything, what happens? Yeah. So you'll see, um, some on some of those bags that it'll say, um, I think it says like supermarket pickup or a, a, a term like that. And so a lot of supermarkets have these plastic film or plastic bag collecting centers. So you can take those plastics to those collection centers. The problem is, and this one again is tricky, uh, is that it's, it's not going to make a huge impact. So that's plastic number four is what they're actually collecting. And those get collected and there's a couple of different companies who are turning those plastic bags into composite lumber. And so they might be making park benches out of them or uh, decking for building uh, or, you know, Adirondack chairs. You'll see like those plastic Adirondack chairs. Um, and that's what 
this is coming from. So it's a good use of those plastics. They're being turned into something, but uh, it's only like one to 2% of the plastic films and wraps that are produced that get recycled. So it's a good program, um, but you shouldn't think of it as a solution to the plastic problem. It makes a very small dent in this massive problem. Will that increase? If more people did it, would, would they be a bigger bigger market for number fours and they would make more things out of it or there's just not the market right now? I don't think that there's the market right now and there is so much plastic that um, we shouldn't think of it as um, that that's a freebie. I think that like, okay, I'm gonna keep buying these things because uh, because I can just, recycle them that said you have to balance that with like if this is the only way you're going to eat vegetables and so that you know these are all personal choices that everybody just has to weigh you know we have to eat healthy foods we have to eat food they got to come packaged in some point but there's there is a silver lining here because in the article you talk about you know reduce reuse and recycle that's your your three r's here and really it's reduce and I think that's really what we all need to be thinking about, you know, and reducing is how can I be more thoughtful? Like, for example, after I read this article, okay, I'm getting, I'm, I may get back to the nomination again for the, for the Oscar, but after I read your article, I said, you know, when I go out to the restaurant, I'm going to bring my own glass storage container. And because I usually don't eat the whole entree, I always say, take it, take it, you know, give me half of it. And they end up putting it in a plastic container, right? Mm -hmm. And I take it home and I think I'm recycling and it ends up being number five, you know, so I'm not really doing anything. But now I'm thinking about bringing it uh, and, and getting my, I take it home, my own container. Or now that we're back at the office, you're know, having meetings now and they're having luncheon meetings. And I've done this where I'm, we, you know, I've done, I've done a whole episode of food waste. So don't even get me started about food waste at, at corporate mm -hmm. meetings. Uh, I've been taking home the food. I bring the class thing with the cover and bring it home class. So in other words, we need to be thoughtful about how we can reduce and help bring home leftovers, let's not waste food, but also let's not increase more packaging. Yeah, yeah, so reduce is um, sort of the biggest thing that we can do, that's exactly what you're saying. Um, recycling is this integral part of sustainability, but it will not fix our issues with consumption. We consume too many products that are then thrown away, and so, First, we have to reduce how much we buy and use. And then we should reuse those items as many different ways as we can. So if you get a glass jar, even if it's not plastic, this isn't just plastic, this is all materials, reuse that glass jar as many times as you can. If it finally breaks, throw it in your recycling bin, you know? Um, and so you can make craft projects out of some of these containers. There's lots of different uses, but we just think of getting rid of things and we don't think of where it goes after it leaves our home. And so it is reduce and then it's reuse 
And then finally, it's recycle. So there's a reason that we are told that common saying in that order. It's because it's in the order of importance. And so that's incredibly useful and incredibly important to remember. And I also want to tell people that this isn't all on you. This is something that the system has to change and the industry should be held accountable for this. So do what you can, but this does not rest on your shoulders. And the good news is the industry is working for um, do packaging that decomposes. You can compost it. I mean, again, it, it takes a village here. It's funny what you just said about the crafts, because probably one of the biggest landfills are these coffee cups, those little mm-hmm. cups that we put in our one-time brewers. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I looked at the bottom of the ones that I use and it had number five. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm going to reach oh, I'm recycling this with my others and it's going to recycle. But now I realize that that really is what you started off saying is it had a number five. So it makes me feel better, but mm-hmm. the company is doing that, but it's really no market for it. But they have, you talk about Pinterest, you talk about uh, Instagram, they have crafts that you can make with these empty coffee cups, mm-hmm. you know, like you could make these adorable crafts or, you know, uh, you know, you want to sort um, paper clips, you know, in, instead of buying a plastic container to sort paper clips, you can clean out these coffee cups and use it to sort, you know, uh, push pins and paper clips. So in other words, I love this reuse thing about it. So let's figure out a way to reuse it. Uh, within your home so you don't go out and buy plastic bins or containers exactly and you know I, I you know I don't want to uh you know be a Debbie Downer and this and say I'll tell you people oh what the heck you know, nothing is going to happen and you know if I if I don't recycle you should recycle mm-hmm. you should do this the ones and the twos and and let but let's be um conscious about reusing and more importantly stay tuned because I think a lot of Companies are, like I mentioned, are looking at ways to make packaging more environmentally friendly and then supporting those efforts. But this, is, again, is great background information. As I mentioned when I uh, started the podcast episode here, we are going to put this article up on the uh, Spawn on Facebook page. Wait until you read it. It's really, really intriguing. And um, it's a step, and we all need to uh, play a part in this. Um, and I'm going to think about you know glass jars more often and i'm going to think about um having a craft party with all yeah. the that's what there I'm we doing. go there we go yes <laughs> so dr caitlin dow from the center for science of the public interest you your articles are fascinating i just love having you on and thank you so much for being on spot on thank you again for having me joan this is so great Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?